Mr. and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea. Ed Sheen for Colony Confidential. We're here today with Paul Giannamori. I think I got it right. You did. A lot of things going on with M&A, a lot of rumors. Paul has started his own podcast with another gentleman, Patrick, called The Boardroom Buzz. I know a lot of you are listening to it because you text us. So how did The Boardroom Buzz come about? You know, Patrick's been talking about doing a podcast for a while. You know, as you guys recall, I, I'd spend my spare time writing my, my Potomac commentary on the M&A market, which I haven't done for quite some time. Um, and I intend to do that again. But, uh, you know, Patrick had been on me. He's like, hey, we should do a podcast. I don't want to do that. It sounds like a real pain in the ass. But then when COVID hit, I was grounded, right? Usually, you know, historically, I was taking 50 or 60 transatlantic flights a year. And so now all of a sudden COVID comes, I'm grounded, like everyone's on Zoom and whatnot. So Patrick's like, hey, listen, if we just record this session, we can turn this into a podcast. And I was like, all right, we'll give it a whirl. So that's kind of how it started. It was really his brainchild. And um, I thought, you know, I'll do a couple episodes and see how it goes. And, you know, it was a real amateur hour for us in the beginning, but um, taken off. And I've actually enjoyed doing it. Quite frankly, it's still a pain, but I've enjoyed doing it. Well, you, you mentioned the newsletter you write. So what do you, do you prefer the writing to the speaking? I actually prefer the writing aspect of it. You know, I used to do all of my writing on a plane. You know, I was always taking like 10 hour flights and whatnot. It's a great time to sit back, have a drink and do some writing. And since I haven't been on a plane, I haven't been doing a whole lot of writing. So I'm hoping to get back to that soon. For people that haven't heard the boardroom buzz, what are the, the top mm -hmm. and what you guys cover? You know, it's just one of those things. So Patrick's firm has been a client of Potomac's for like 10 years. And we met, he had like a partnership issue. They wanted, somebody wanted to buy into that business. Basically he came to us, we did evaluation. And I said, look, Patrick, Bobby, uh, Bobby's his partner. I said, it, it doesn't make sense at this level to do this deal. Um, so they didn't do it and he and I became friends and we stayed in contact. And then, you know, over the years he would call me up and say, Hey, I've got this situation. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? So when we started the boardroom buzz, it was literally going to be Patrick and I kind of having conversations. And then we got a guest or two and, you know, it just kind of, well, you guys know, I mean, you're in a very different spot than you were when you started out. So it just kind of evolves over time and that's kind of what it's turned out into. And, you know, originally it was just all business, right? Now we're trying to have, you know, the episode we did with Mike and Debbie Rogers last week in the kitchen, just having coffee at breakfast time. Who knows where we will take it over the next few months to continue to evolve. And we're actually listening to our listeners. We're asking folks, you know, what kind of stuff do you want to hear? What do you not want to hear? What do you like? What do you hate? I got a question. Um, where do you see the, the industry going once we get this vaccine? I don't know if it'll ever go back to normal because I think when some of these places uh, see how much money they were saving by letting people work at home, they need less office space, so forth and so on. There won't be as many, I mean, there'll be trouble with the rentals. People are not going to renew. Maybe they had 20 floors. Maybe now they'll have 10 floors. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because in my business, so I, I spent so much time on the road and Sometimes that's exciting, but for the most time, for the most part, it sucks, right? And so with COVID, I was actually liking the opportunity to be able to sit here relaxed in casual clothes and basically have meetings. But, you know, over the last couple of months, I've started to think to myself that it is 
100% not as impactful and meaningful to have the meetings that I have over Zoom. I'm in a very, you know, it's a high stakes game and we've got to do this in person. So I, I think for me in the financial services type businesses that I do, COVID will impact us, but guys, I really think that once COVID's gone, it's going to be back to business as usual for us. I think meetings will happen like they always did. So I don't sense a lot of change for a lot of kind of the financial services businesses. It's the other types of things where you've got creative workers. If you think about New York City, you've got all these advertising agencies and all this sort of stuff. Are they going to need people to be there in the office? Yeah, I don't know. When I look at the current pest control market, we clearly have the COVID bump on the residential side. So across the board, everyone's experiencing this increased level of activity because everyone's at home. And the question is, is this kind of like a equivalent to channel stuffing or it all happens for a period of a year, but then it kind of fades off even though people are at home. We don't know that. Um, <clears throat> we also don't know, you know, it's interesting when you think about like these two vaccines that were just announced over the last kind of 10 days, when you look at how various stocks were formed, one thing that was interesting to me is when the when that um, Pfizer vaccine was announced last week, pest control companies saved the Terminix rolled over. So Renekill, Rollins, those guys all took a nosedive on the news. Companies that would benefit from a COVID vaccine went up. So it's interesting and I think the institutional investors look at it and they understand pest control got a bump from COVID. Question is the long-term implications and it's, it's hard to say. I think for you guys, you know, you're in the epicenter of you know, commercial life in the United States, being in New York Metro. And I'm curious as to what you guys are seeing now in uh, November, 2020, things coming back to life. Well, I mean, I, there's definitely gonna be a shift for certain Certain businesses, I mean, you may have saw one of the largest head funds in hedge funds in New York move their entire operation to West Palm mm -hmm. because of the potential tax implications with Biden coming in and really basically I think as a FU to Cuomo and de Blasio. And then they have they have um, a little over three hundred thousand people have moved out of the city. They they got it broken down by um, zip codes and where they're moving to. And it seems like uh, most of them are going to Westchester, Long Island, and uh, New, New Jersey. <laughs> One guy's in Alaska. Mm -hmm. Good luck. Maybe COVID put everyone over the top. But dealing with these politicians that they do everything they can to put you out of business and to, yeah. to ruin business or to make it, gee, just so hard. And, um, you know, like now you, you could go out in the street and riot a month ago. You didn't have to wear a mask. But, um, we can't go to school today because oh, right. uh, too much pollen. <laughs> we go down that rabbit hole. Just to go back to your question, basically, uh, I think a lot of things are changing. My, a, a good friend of mine I grew up with is the COO of a hedge fund. And two months ago, they made a permanent decision to never go back to an office space. A small company, they probably manage a few billion, but there's maybe 10 employees max. But they're never going back. I think you're going to see some of that. And that was my thing. Even for you, with all that traveling, I wonder how much there'll be WeWork or, some, or how many new WeWorks pop up for if you're going to a city mm -hmm. 
and you host this, this, you don't need a space. You just have your WeWork membership. You book out your boardroom for 10 people. And then that cuts down in, in the finance industry. You're still going to need space for servers and stuff like that. But I wonder how much so with all the cloud applications that are going on right now. Um, but I think there's, there's definitely going to be a difference. We've seen our canine business is down 55% because yep. a lot of it was corporate office. Um, so that's huge. We had, I think I might've told you this in March, we had close to a million dollars of dog work sold. Yep. This is completely non-existent now. And yep. now it's new business. So I think some of that stuff is coming back, but a large retailer that was part of that deal who normally buys land and builds these mega stores told us that they're shifting to buying um, retail in malls probably or renting it because of all the big box stores going out of business. So I think you'll see some of that um, happen. And I think, like you said, once everybody has that deep breath moment, not like Cuomo's deep breath moment about the turtle sticking its head out of its shell, but um, like that deep breath, like, okay, maybe we could test the waters, go back to normal. Maybe we will, but I do, I know for a fact, large companies in our industry and not um, have had some record months. Mm -hmm. And the CEOs of those companies are talking about taking their salespeople off the road. So that, that's very interesting, right? You're having record months. Your expenses are probably down because there's no travel costs. And now you're questioning whether or not you even need these salespeople. And it just, I mean, it sounds greedy because you, at some point you have to look and say, when the pandemic subsides, if all the competitors keep their salespeople, our numbers are going to go down. But I think you do have people thinking completely out of the box and completely one-sided to keep their pockets filled. It's funny because you would think a CEO of a $40 million company would have a little better foresight to, to say when this passes, we're still going to need these people. See, I didn't hear that. So that's interesting. So I didn't, I didn't realize that. So they're pulling sales guys off the street because they feel like they don't need them or is it a safety issue? No, so they're off. The, they haven't really been going door to door, if you will. Mm -hmm. But they were they were in the meetings of the C-suite saying, "Do we really need these people? We could let some of these people go." Mm -hmm. At a time that they're making more money than they've made in years past, and have less expenses. A lot of that's pressure from the stock from the stockholders too. You ever go to some of these stockholder meetings? <laughs> Well, COVID's been a fantastic opportunity for people to look around at their workforce and try to rationalize it, get rid of lower performers. I mean, I'm seeing that take place across the board, even with all the big publicly traded guys. They're looking at their workforce and, you know, hashtag COVID, you got to get out the door. So we have seen that. I mean, we've seen these big companies in the U.S. put thousands of people on furlough, not because they're not needed, but because they're, you know, suboptimal performers. We are seeing that. Something that we haven't seen certainly in New York for a long time is the hiring pool is tremendous. So you can potentially get better talent right now than you already have. Because we, you know, we put, we have a, a revolving technician ed and the, the level of applicants has changed since COVID. Which is interesting because in California, it's the opposite, right? Those state agencies are closed. And so these people can't get licensed. So you've got a real shortage of quality. Really? Exactly. What I ultimately would hope from COVID would be that all state, local, and federal governments shut down for a year 
the American people realize everyone's far better off without them. <laughs> That'd be a fantastic outcome of COVID. Of course, Biden now is going to solve everything. And, you know, in my own case, trial and error, well, it's very easy to say you're going to fix it. The doing of it takes a lot more effort and, thank God, mostly success, but sometimes not success. So I, I just I started to lose all, all uh, faith in the political system. Well, I'm surprised that you ever had faith to begin with. No, I was brainwashed by my parents. Grew up in Ireland, you couldn't vote. I say. Tells you to vote here. My father used to wear his best suit to go vote. And then he gave my mother a slip of paper. I didn't find out what was on the paper till he died. He told her what to press, what buttons to press. <laughs> <laughs> so I got I got another question to swing back to politics every so often, which is good and bad depending on the topic. Yep. Um, do you think, are there any other changes that you think small businesses can try out right now during COVID? You know, it's one of those things where if you guys think back to March, everyone and their uncle was taking out PPP loans, extremely concerned what was going to happen, right? No one had any idea, particularly pest control businesses. We didn't know what was going to happen. We were going to get shut down. So fortunately, we were essential service kind of across the board. And then with everyone at home, at least on the residential side, there was a tremendous kind of ramp up in, in business. So one of the things that I find interesting in this whole COVID situation is a lot of guys were busier this summer than they had been historically. And so they're coming out of the season kind of like frazzled. Like we didn't get to do any planning. We didn't do a lot of the things that we would normally do because we were going gangbusters. Um, you know, I don't know right now, in my mind, you know, what are we going to suffer COVID for? Maybe another three months, maybe six months. I don't know. I don't know how long this vaccine. I still haven't. I'm interested. I haven't read any of these articles lately, but when are we supposed to get this vaccine, guys? Any idea? Is saying it might? No, the answer is no. No, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it depends. Whoever you talk to, it's according to Trump. We got it already. Uh, and that's a joke. So it it ranges from December to June. Take your pick. Some of them say, some people say, oh, we'll have it the end of December. We'll have it this year. Then, they, then there's some say like February. I mean, you know, they don't know. They say they have it now and they have enough. It's, it's all in the rolling out. Now they're going to fight over who gets it first or I, I don't know. You know, they, they'll, they'll screw it up and delay it as long as possible. But. Well, the rolling out of it, I, I don't know if anybody really understands the huge undertaking of getting everybody a vaccine. It's tremendous. If you look at the flu shot, which is not, it's not mandated, but mm -hmm. how many people actually get the flu shot a year? How many people are going to get this vaccine and are not? There's so much, I mean, this is a good time, you know, in my, my head where I'm like, I'm glad I'm not at these high level discussions because it just, I mean, look at Cuomo. Cuomo went from dark hair to gray hair in about six months. Yeah. And the blood yeah. will stop dying is here. All things COVID are, it's a crapshoot. You can't get real information anywhere. So it's just nuts. I, you know, to me, and I'm not as in tune as Joey, not even near that, but, but I would be thinking, how do I come out of this stronger and better prepared for what's going to come? How do, how do I make myself better? Well, I got a little breathing time here, if you want to call it that. What would I be doing? 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's a good point. I, I, look, I, I think some of the things that you guys mentioned earlier on in the session is the kind of changing landscape as far as the migration of people out of major cities. I mean, that's clearly taking place in New York. You got to wonder, ultimately, how much of that will be related to kind of COVID knock-on effects versus what these governments ultimately do in terms of tax policy. So we have now the United States Federal Reserve has created a ton of created a ton of money, right? So they're spending money. And the US government, of course, is uh, issuing trillions of additional or new US Treasury obligations here in 2020. Um, you know, at some point, that stuff has to be paid for. And in addition to the shortfalls in a variety of you know, state and federal pension funds, and so we're going to have a financial reckoning. So the you know, the interesting thing for me would be like, if I'm an owner, I have to think through, you know, where am I in the life cycle of my business? Where am I as a shareholder as far as retirement or otherwise selling the business? And what are going to be the longer term consequences of potential federal and state tax law changes? You know, we, we had Corey Vargo on our show a couple of weeks ago, and I do a lot of work with Corey. And we talked a little bit about tax law changes and his perspective was, you know, even if Biden's elected, which now it looks like he is, um, there probably won't be significant changes in 2021, right? It's going to be really hard because we're still going to be dealing with COVID and a variety of other issues. Probably tax law changes won't happen, but what happens in 2022 or 2023? So, you know, I think it's time for the conversations I've been having with clients in particular, I just had one with a, a guy who owns a C-Corp. It's a father and son business. And he said, we're a C-Corp and we're starting to get to the point where we're thinking about an exit, especially if we think taxes are going to go up. So I, I think now is a good time. We're getting into the off season to kind of think through, you know, what are your shareholder goals and objectives? If you're going to, if you plan on sticking it through and you're like, hey, I'm doing this for another 10 years. I always talk about you put that stake in the ground and say, okay, what is my 10-year plan? Now, I understand from the two of you guys, you've recently decided to, to you were a pure play commercial. Now you guys are venturing out into the residential space. Is that right? Yes, sir. Is it a pure reaction to just commercial getting hammered up and down the East Coast? Or is it just something that you decided, okay, let's be more of a balanced business from a risk perspective? So it's, it's both. I would say for the past six years, Every October, myself and the director of operations discussed throwing our hat in the residential rink, but our growth was so much. I mean, in March, we were already at 39% growth for the year. Mm -hmm. So when we were having growth spurts like that commercially, we would just tape, we would table it every year. Yeah. Forget residential. Let's, let's gear up for another 40% increase on the commercial side. So with COVID and being flat, I just decided I personally have the time to dedicate to put it together with COVID. And even though we are, we're down 8.6% for the year right now, but we did not, we didn't let go any of the new hires. We kept everybody on. So we have more than fully staffed and we just said, let's do it now. So in January will be the official rolling out of it. We'll start messing with internet marketing. Most of the plans are in place already on how we're going to sell it and what we're going to do. And we have a branch, if you will, in a suburban area that's surrounded by expensive neighborhoods. So the plan is to start there and then most likely replicate it in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Northern Virginia and I guess Southern Maryland since we have the business down there. 
Got it. So how are things in Puerto Rico? Next time on Colony Confidential. I have noticed that there is a real increase um, here in the fourth quarter of folks getting ready. I think this whole Biden win spooked some folks for a variety of reasons. But just the uncertainty with COVID and fiscal policy and monetary policy, I, I think 2021 multiples, you know, Joe, I know you're going to ask this, so I'll preempt your question. You know, Thank you. We, 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 you know, we took a nosedive, obviously, in the beginning of COVID, um, but then things are really kind of right back to where they used to be. The service master or now Terminex will be quiet for the remainder of 2020. I think once Brett gets his arms around the business, I think that they'll start to kind of ramp up what they do in 2021. Um, Renticule and anti-CMX have, have been kind of very aggressive and continuing to grow. Uh, Anti-CMX will go public next year, most likely. So they've engaged investment banks. Um, and they'll probably file for initial public offering. My guess is either immediately prior to the Swedish holidays in July or immediately after. But I think they're targeting the first half of the year IPO. Mr. and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea. If you got questions or maybe answers, we'd like to hear from you. Why don't you send us an email at colonyconfidential.com? You got a problem? Customers, pricing, buying stuff? Send us an email at colonyconfidential.com.